Welcome to a special episode of Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. We're taking a close look at political candidates leading up to the November elections, and we're calling this special series Midterm Exams. If you're listening to a podcast and you're hearing a conversation with a candidate who may be running in your district or it's a candidate that you want to support, I strongly recommend that you share this podcast on social media or by word of mouth. It's vitally important that we not take this time for granted, especially since we're so close to the elections. If there's a candidate whom you want us to interview or you want to have advertised on our show, you can shoot us an email at making a different show at gmail.com, M A K I N a different show at gmail.com, or you can hit us up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash making M A K I N a difference show. Speaking of show, it's time to begin this conversation right here, right now on Making a Difference. Um, to be a Negro, to be a Negro in this country, and to be um, relatively conscious, is to be in a state of rage, almost, almost all of the time. You wonder why I spit the truth and not to make no dope. Making a difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. I'm here continuing our series where we're sitting down and talking with political candidates. It is the season. I um, had the good fortune to be able to talk to some folks in South Carolina, also here in Georgia, particularly in Augusta, Richmond County. And so I'm sitting down right now with a gentleman who is actually running for the District 2 um, school board seat here in Augusta, Richmond County. Had a chance to uh, talk with him briefly before the show. Uh, very bright. Look, uh, appears to be a very intelligent young man, well-spoken, um, a, a very modest young man as well, and we'll get to that, but just so glad to have on the show, uh, Mr. Willie Robinson. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. I'm glad to, to hear that you think I'm such a young man. Actually, I'm closer <laughs> to uh, 40 than I am to 30, so I think I bypassed those young days, but um, <laughs> I take it in strides. I, I tell you, man, I, um, I'm sitting here, 35 years old. I still feel young at heart, man. Um, look, I, I tell anybody, man, I say, look, I still read comic books, man. I'm 35, so it's just, <laughs> I think it's just a, a matter of the heart, man, and, and to that effect, man, we're just glad to be able to sit down and have this conversation. I want to ask you first and foremost, man, because what I always ask people in terms of, of politics and of wanting to, you know, become an elected official is what inspired this decision for you? What inspired you to say, well, you know what, I want to um, try to make a difference, I want to um, see what's going on out here. What what inspired you to run for this school board seat? Well, there there are a number of uh, things that inspire me. Um, number one, um, it was opportunity. Um, I recently decided to take a sabbatical from work. Um, also, I have several extended family members that are still a part of the Richmond County school system, um, and it's important to me um, that they continue to receive a quality education. Also. My neighborhood is full of children who I work with, um, who I saw all day at school, and as I drove home in the evening, um, they waved me all the way into my driveway. So it's important to me that um, this community continues to thrive um, from the education that we provide to our uh, next generation of, of citizens. That's a really good assessment of, of why you decided to run. 
Um, give the folks some background about, about yourself because I think one of the, um, I mean, there's a lot of, of redeemable stuff about this campaign, but I think it's just it's especially impressive to know that you are, in fact, running for a Richmond County school seat, but you've gotten your, your education not only in high school, but also um, in terms of college, you've gotten that education out of Augusta, Richmond County. So tell people about yourself and kind of your upbringing. Well, that was, education was always important in my household. Um, I started actually about two years after high school. I decided after high school I was, I just wanted to go to work. Um, um, after working in a couple of jobs, I saw that um, my opportunities were limited. Um, I had some friends who, I, who had graduated high school from me who went off to college. I had an opportunity to visit them within those two years um, that I was just working. And that window into college life and those experiences that they, that they were gaining, um, I wanted a piece of that. And I saw more for my future, so I enrolled in college at the age of 20. Um, at the age of 20, I enrolled in college and began a bachelor's program at Augusta State University. Um, I saw all the growth happening at um, Augusta State between early 2000s up until the, the mid-2000s, so that was exciting. Um, but um, I had some, I had plans for public service even while I was in college. Um, my bachelor's was in po political science. Um, I had aspirations of going into public administration. Well, after uh, graduating high school, excuse me, graduating college, that field was extremely competitive. <laughs> and I didn't give up on it. I just decided to change course because I, I received several offers, but it, but it just didn't feel quite right. Um, so I decided to um, um, work for the Richmond County Department of Family and Children's Services. Um, I did that for probably a year after graduating undergrad, and then I enrolled in an alternative teaching program that also, um, it was a graduate program, so, um, and after I enrolled in that program, um, I sought employment through the Richmond County School System, and I began as a special education teacher. Um, I wanted to save the world. Um, I thought that those, um, that group of children were probably the most underserved, and um, I jumped right in where I could and began um, supporting students with disabilities at various high schools. Um, and I had the opportunity to work um, at schools with many different designations. Um, when I came into education, it was at the height of No Child Left Behind, where there was school choice was big, and um, we had children from all over the county um, coming to a particular school that I was working at, transportation provided. But what I saw at that school was that those students were not wanted. That was my personal opinion, that was my assessment. Um, so I saw it as my purpose to make them feel as welcome as they, as I could. But um, from that place, um, I was, I got reassigned to another school, which they were involved in some, some deep school improvement processes and I wanted to learn about that. But before I left there, I was inspired um, to do think, do something on a larger platform, um, leadership in education. Um, it was exciting to see change happening in school. Um, so I went back to school um, <laughs> and started working on um, leadership certification and an additional degree. Um, I had some great leaders that I was surrounded by that truly inspired me. And um, you know, after teaching special education, um, I made yet another change. Um, 
history is my first love. Um, I moved on to another school and began teaching regular education. So, you know, it was important to me that I had a perspective from as many different perspectives as I could in education. So this was a natural, this was a natural move for me. And um, I did that for a few years. And then um, I became assistant principal. That's a whole different perspective. <laughs> um, and I, I, did, I did that for a few years. And um, here I am now uh, running for District 2 school board seat. Um, this school system has given me a lot as an employee and as a student. Um, my, my own son graduated from Richmond County School System um, and is off in college doing well. Um, I have, as I said earlier, a whole bunch of extended family members who are also still getting um, what they need from the Richmond County School System. So I just want to do what I can to make things better. And, and I think that's apparent in your action. I distinctly remember, you know, as we started this, uh, this podcast, you were saying that, you know, on your way home, kids were kind of waving you in. Mm-hmm. And when I hear the attention to detail that you expressed in terms of the diversity of education and wanting to work in special education, I think I see that. I think that's, and I'm just talking about schools on a national level, I think that's the, the missing element is that love and kids need that that attention they need to know that somebody cares about them so when you say that and, and I just kind of see the pic just the middle picture of like a kid maybe running after the car That's what and being do. like Mr. Robinson yo yes that type of thing is like I mean it's it kind of gives you goosebumps man if you if you're around education if you're familiar with education it don't even have to be about education if you love kids like you can understand that and you can identify with that yes I um the question I want to ask you, and just relate, relaying it back to the school board, is that how do you believe that diversity in education and your diverse experiences, how do you believe that will help you if elected to the school board? Well, uh, I think one of my biggest assets um, is a current perspective on what's happening in education today and in the Richmond County schools. Um, I've seen a lot, I've heard a lot, um, and have been a part of a lot. Um, I can't help but carry that with me. Um, so I believe that it will be an asset. I have a lot of ideas and have hoped for a seat at the table for a long time. Um, a lot of the time, um, even as an administrator and teachers, we are told this is what we're going to do. Um, but research shows um, a collaborative effort on what to do to improve student outcomes or to make schools safer is the best approach. Now. I'm sure the collaboration is occurring somewhere, um, but the, where the people who are implementing it, they need to have more input into how they're doing things. I want to interject something here because it almost sounds like somewhere it's getting lost in translation. Can you, and maybe you can't, I would hope that you can, can you express maybe where some of that's lost? Well, without going into much detail, um, like I say, you know, we have uh, district leaders who work extremely hard, put in a lot of long hours, um, and it's, I'm sure, their responsibility to come up with plans and solutions for the ills of our school. Um, And a lot of times when they do, you know, it's passed down to the schools. That's how it goes, top down, Um, which that's okay. Um, if you want to present an idea, but we have to be we have to be flexible in our approach because there's not a one size fit all for all situations. Um, I've worked in schools that were 
not like the the well, I guess your common school, and so you can't expect our those common solutions to fix the ills of the places that I say are not common. I think that's a a, a great way to put it. I um, and with that, I feel like. I can answer this, and you'd be uniquely qualified to to answer it. I want to ask you about the effect of social economics in our school system. Ooh. I wish you guys could see Will's face right now. <laughs> research has shown, and trust me, I have the action research to prove it. Um, socioeconomic status has a tremendous effect on everything. Um, academic achievement, attendance at school, um, social, emotional behavior. Um, it has, it's probably the number one effect because if you go all the way back, um, it starts with in the household, parents value education, that those values are impressed upon the student. That's number one. Um, but even from that point, it depends on what experiences that can be provided for that child preschool and once they get in school. Those experiences, that exposure matters to the development of the child. And the less resources you have, the less exposure and experience that you are going to be able to get. So you can slice this, you can slice the school district up and you can see it clear as day as far as school performance. Um, school attendance, with the exception of our magnet programs, because they funnel um, some of our top performing students, just you know, based on academic scores. We those are, those are the anomalies, I guess you could say. But you can slice the district up, and you can see clearly where the where the economic divide is. With that understanding. What, what is the role of the school system? If you can look, because my thing is this, education is one of the final frontiers in terms of equality, in terms of equity, mm-hmm. ideally. Mm-hmm. But as you can say, we can slice a district up and we can directly correlate um, how much money is pouring into a district, how much money is pouring into an area, how, what's the you know, um, average wealth by, you know, per family. And we can see, well, the um, you know, educational standards and scores correlate to that. So if a school system understands this, what then is the role of the school system to, you know, if there's if we're in an area where poverty is rampant, if there's a higher percentage of poverty, what can the school system do to, um, I mean, literally help change the destiny of, you know, a particular part of the district and not even just about districts can improve the lives of these kids? What can be done? Well, uh, one of the first things that... Um, I think all school districts do is they take advantage of any additional resources that they can gain to help educate those students who come from uh, economically disadvantaged homes. Um, That comes from the federal government. Um, A lot of you may have heard of Title I funds. Um, Those help support schools uh, as far as like, you know, buying additional equipment, even sometimes uh, more teachers. But what we can do is we can select leaders to run to to lead those schools who are who have experience in turning around those type of uh, schools, who has a who has the passion and enthusiasm to do it. And as school leaders, we have to learn to leave um, 
as district leaders, we have to learn to leave school leaders in place long enough to see change occur. We have to do way more community outreach, especially in those communities where our kids are economically disadvantaged. Community outreach is one of our untapped resources. We have persons at all of the Title I schools that are called our, some, our parent engagement specialists, and they do a good job of trying to get parents in. You know, we have resources in place such as these robocalls, you know, and they send home invitations to parent nights, but the community outreach part, that's a miss, that's an untapped resource. I sense you have some ideas for that. Yes. <laughs> and I, you know, I won't say, well, tell us now. I'm going to leave that to, to when you get elected. I'll say when. Yes. So, um, and our parents are one of our greatest resources in trying to educate students. And for some reason, our parents feel sometimes as if the school system is the enemy. And we have to build better relationships uh, with them where they respect and support the institution of schooling and where that same respect is uh, translated to their, stu to their student um, because it's a lack of respect in the community. I think not just in Augusta, Richmond County, I think it's a national trend. Uh, schools have, educators have a tough job um, and they do, I don't believe they do it for the money. Um, it's they're making a living. Most of them have to work t two jobs. Some of them have side businesses, selling jewelry or doing whatever they could do to make ends meet. But they could be doing something else. Um, but they have a passion for educating students. And I'm not sure why um, our parents don't always recognize that passion. Um, it's probably due to some bad experience that they've had in the past that they're not letting go of year after year, but it's our job to change that perspective. Um, the school is here to support you and your student, and how can we develop a partnership to ensure that your child achieves at the highest levels, um, attend school regularly, and have the best behavior possible? Um, I have a theory, and I just I, I appreciate your analysis, and I. I just appreciate your perspective as someone who's you know worked in public education. I think it's an issue of class warfare. I think it's an issue where you have two parties who whom should not be warring, who should be working together. And if they do work together, I think it will make the situation better for all parties involved. But I think you kind of have this this pressure coming in from the higher ups. And I'll just say, from the perspective of the teacher, a lot of times it can be the administration that's providing that pressure. I think in terms of the parent. It's the government in and of itself that are creating certain conditions where, well, now I have to work 50 to 60 hours a week. And I think you see that even with some of the teachers. You have teachers who are put, who are almost bankrupting themselves because you got kids who are coming to school unfed, unkept. They're saying, well, you know, I'm going to buy some school supplies for these kids. I'm going to buy some food for these kids. And so what really needs to happen, in my estimation, without, and I have theories about uh, mandating parent involvement, I won't get into that because I know everybody doesn't agree, but I think at just a very basic level, I think it's vitally important for a parent to sit down with a teacher for a teacher to make, to have that rapport with the parent to say, even if we may have some personal differences, let's put those aside for the good of the child. How do you feel about that? I feel very, I feel probably the same. I can remember even when my own, my very own son was in school, and I could say me and his mother, we were probably helicopter parents. Uh, 
you know, for a lot of years. Education was always important to us, um, even from preschool. Uh, we would drive 25, 30 miles to take him to this school that was supposed to be very good, you know. And once he got into public school, um, he, he did very well. School came easy to him. Um, once he got to high school, oh well, middle school, high school, uh, we start having more interaction with teachers because that's that, I guess that's that period, that developmental time where, um, as they, the old folks say, they start smelling themselves. <laughs> and we started out being a little defensive for him. And we had to take a step back. And when we took that step back and we decided that we were going to support the teacher um, and we weren't going to let our emotions get in the way, because our children have a, they are very smart, they know us better than probably anyone else, and they have a tendency to play on our emotions. We stopped that early on, and he knew that we were gonna support the teachers and the administrators um, for as far as we can go. Right. And that stopped a lot of the unsavory behavior that was coming from him. Um, and like I said, he ended up graduating fine, he's in college, um, and he never lost respect for us. He understood what our expectations were and everything worked out. So we decided that we were gonna support the schools because we know children don't, aren't always truthful and they will play on our emotions. That's interesting and, I, um, and I'm, I'm very impressed with how you, you guys were able to handle that situation. I would just say, and I, you're, you, you seem to be a discerning young man. There are some times and there are some instances obviously where you will have to say, well, you know, we may have to side with our son or our daughter on this, but you know, just in terms, you're, you're just saying more of behavioral, I guess, type things that were Academic too. Sure. Academic, behavioral. Um, you know, if we got a call from a teacher, we were always on the teacher's side first. And unless there was some sort of something other, something more convincing um, coming from him, we supported the teacher. Sure. That we felt that was in his best interest. No, I mean, that, I mean that's that's totally fine. I want to ask you this um, because I, I saw some previous comments from you. And you're obviously a, a huge proponent, I can and understandably so, of public education. Help people understand why that's important, even as you know we are in this age where people are talking about so much about charter schools and you know private education. Just help people understand the significance and the relevance of public education. Well, public education is uh, is important because it is always going to be. The biggest supplier of, I guess, productive citizens. We invest in it with our property taxes, and it's the foundation of our society. It's always been said that the more educated a society is, the less crime you'll have, uh, the better your economy is, and that's why it's important because we invest in it whether we want to or not. Um, when you, when we purchase property and pay our property taxes, it's important. It's important that we keep our community safe. Um, it's important that we keep students in school during the day while we're at work so that our property is safe. And um, that's why I believe in public education. Um, it provides jobs for countless people in the community. And you know, that's, that's why it's important. It's a, it's a huge investment. Certainly, I wanna uh, close out with this as well because you know, you're talking about civic duty. Part of a one civic duty is also to vote. You've done so for the better part of, of well, for over 20 minutes. You've, uh, I mean, you've campaigned 
I mean, more than adequately for why people should vote for you, but I just want people to hear it from you in your own words. Why should we vote Willie Robinson District 2? Well, like I said early on, um, it's important. I want, one thing that I think that I possess that um, sets me apart from um, my, my opponent is I have a current perspective on what's happening in education currently. Um, that goes a long way. Um, I understand the issues that teachers are facing in school. I understand the issues that administrators are facing in school, and I certainly understand the issues that students are facing. Um, I believe that our schools can be safer, um, and I'm not referring to um, being able to being buzzed in um, to keep intruders out. Um, the issue of safety is on the inside already. Um, we need to ensure that our teachers, students, administrators, and other other staff members feel safe every day among the students. Um, we need to ensure that we're spending taxpayer money um, accurately or we're being good stewards of that money. Um, we need to make sure that our focus on student learning is as streamlined as possible. Um, we, we are a district that is rich in resources. We have so many things at our disposal. Um, and I think that some of the things that teachers say the most is it's overwhelming because it's such a large menu and it, it, they would like to be able to focus more on what it is that we are focusing on and what are our goals. Um, student achievement is the goal, but how do we get there? That's the number one, um, that's the number one thing that we should be concerned about, student achievement. Um, I want to see our post-graduation statistics improve. Um, we can't just be graduating students and think that we have achieved something, um, especially when a lot of them are not making it past first semester of college. Um, they are not even able to hold down a job um, after it, just in the summer after graduation. Um, we need to work on developing our students um, to really um, step out in society and um, compete with other students around the state, around the region, around the nation. <clears throat> and um, I think that um, I can help facilitate some of that change. Um, there are some other candidates that are running who um, I've had a chance to talk to. And certainly we have some candidates on the board who have done great things for many, many years. But with all things, change must happen. So we're moving in a different direction. And I think that um, I should, I think you would do good by voting for me in this next election if you wanna see a change in this community. He's a graduate of T.W. Josie High School. He's a graduate of Augusta University. Look, he's a proud member of the Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity. He, um, he needs your vote. Uh, if you can vote before November 6th, we would love for you to take uh, take advantage of advanced voting. If you're not able to vote early, Tuesday, November the 6th is the date. Uh, the candidate here for the District 2 school board seat is Mr. Willie Robinson. We're glad to have him here on Making a Difference today. Thank you. Vote Robinson, District 2 school board seat. Thank you for listening to this episode of Making a Difference. <laughs>
But the movement doesn't stop here. You can follow us on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com backslash making M-A-K-I-N a difference. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash making M-A-K-I-N a difference show. That's the best way to keep up with all of our podcasts and video logs. Love you guys so much. Peace and God bless. You win. Perfect.